Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, the Renault Selection used car event, is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty, and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. You're very welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Need I remind you, history made in Liverpool on Saturday afternoon when Tiger Roll from Gordon Elliott's yard in County Meath emulated a feat last achieved back in the early 70s by Red Rum. Yes, winning back-to-back Grand Nationals. What an achievement for this fella it was. And I'm delighted to say on the line with me now is Tiger Roll's groom, Louise McGee. Good afternoon, Louise. Hi, how are you? Ah, uh, how am I? How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, very good. What a day on Saturday and again yesterday for you all. Tell me this honestly. Did you believe or what did you think when he went over that he could do this? Yeah, I I honestly had so much belief in him. Um, there was just something about him this year. He was so switched on and so focused and he was in such good form all year he looked amazing you know he'd he'd never put a foot wrong the whole preparation up to the race so like yeah I, I, I had full belief in him that that he could do it you know Had you any money on him? No I never backed him Never? Never no no never Why Louise? I don't know it's it's just something I was never really into and um, I would find it kind of bad luck if I backed him so I don't <laughs> I don't ever put any money on them, no. Oh, superstition is a devil of a thing, isn't it, as <laughs> yeah. well, for sure. Tell us about him, because, I, look, I don't know much about horses or horse racing. I'll be absolutely honest, put my hands up. He doesn't look that big of an animal compared to the others. No, he's not. He's he's quite small compared to your normal, typical National Hunt horse that would be in running in the Grand National. But he, he when like when you stand in with him in the stable he's quite small but when you bring him racing he seems to grow in size himself you know he mm. he nearly like grows two hands bigger um but he yeah he's quite a small little compact sort of horse you've been looking after him since he arrived at the yard with you 2014 he was three going on four did did you have him from the ward off and did 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 you see something special in him um no i didn't have him at the start um 
Karen Morgan was Gordon's head travelling girl at the time nice. and she uh, she used to do him uh, at the start. So she led him up when he won the triumph um, and yeah, he, he looked like he was going to be a spe- special little horse then um, and then he kind of had a couple of flat years where he, he just really didn't do much and he I suppose it just took him a while to develop into the horse he is now, you know. You're grooming. You're grooming, Louise. I don't know. It, it was a team effort, you know. I'm only a small part. I'm only, I'm only at the weekends and that, you know. It's all yeah. down to the full time staff. They're they're uh, they're the ones that put in all the hard work and all the effort. I know that, but you do your bit with him as well. What's he temperamentally like? Uh, he's he's lovely. He's a sweet little horse. Um, he he loves his job and he loves everything that he does and. You know he's he's real uh, cheeky and lovable. He's he's a sweet little horse. Now he's a bay gelding, which means bay is brown, isn't that? That refers to the colour of the horse. The colour of them, that's it. And yeah. and a gelding for listeners today, a gelding is a horse that's been castrated, a male horse. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so there will be no offspring from this fella. No, there won't. No, no. God, and everybody's saying, won't it be so valuable at stud? But there'll be no stud no. from <laughs> at no, all. No oh, my God. And here, here's something I wanted to ask you. The name Tiger Roll. I know his mum was called Swiss Roll, yeah? Yeah, that's right. And he's out of a brilliant horse. I think many people would remember, authorised who won the yeah. Derby back in uh, yeah. 2007. Um, where did the Tiger come from? He was named before the O'Leary's uh, bought him so um, because he had won um, a bumper previous to them buying him so he was already named. Mm. You mentioned the O'Leary's and no happier man than oh, Michael yeah. O'Leary and I just want you to listen to something because Helena Mullins, our Helena was in Summerhill last evening for the homecoming of the hero and all in sundry were so happy especially the horse's owner Michael O'Leary who was high on emotion. I'm elated. I didn't feel like it was uh, real at all. I mean, like he won last year, and we didn't think there was any possibility he'd win two in a row. Like no horse has won the Grand National two years running since Red Rome, and Red Rome is a legend. I think it's a great day for me. It's a great day for Summerhill. Much of the people who work in Gordon's yard live and work here around Summerhill, you know. So I don't think there's too many loud connections, but it's a very proud day for me. Definitely is, and of course, people are all raving about the lovely personality that Tiger Roll has, and he just seems to just thrive on this public I attention. I raving about the lovely personality I have. Oh, oh, yeah. yes, of course, of course, of course, as well. But mind <laughs> the bloody horse. What about what, me? But what did you feel um, like? Do you see the personality thrive with Right Tiger Roll? Yeah, I mean, you years? do. Like, you know, he's got as he gets older, he's getting more and more relaxed. He takes his racing so much better. You know, he's undoubtedly, and it's one of the greats. I think to Grip Gordon's great credit, he's probably improved another eight or ten pounds. Like he barely won the Grand National last year; he just scraped over the line. Yesterday, he won it very comfortably. Um, so he's improving with age, and I think that's the great skill of a trainer like Gordon Elliott. It's history. He's a legend, and he's a legend that's proudly trained here in Meath. I'm definitely the best personality you've ever had anyway he's by far and away the best personality I've ever had but, oh, uh, but, t- but Tiger Roll comes very close second well listen thank you so much and enjoy all the celebrations thanks for having a shot me Michael Helena Mullins there uh, in the lion's den with Mr O'Leary Louise you hear there he wasn't even bound to the horse when it came <laughs> to personality
Yeah, that's it. <laughs> anyway, everybody's so happy. What a joyous return it was. Now, you look at his record at this stage. Four wins now in Cheltenham. Of course, a win earlier this year in the big festival meet. Two Grand Nationals in a row. Everybody is asking the question, will he ever go for a third? Now, Red Rum, we have to say, won in 73-74. Then there was a break. He was right up there the next two years, Red Rum, in the race. But he won it again in 77. What's the talk? You're hearing it yourself. What do yeah, you feel? So so like definitely this year he's 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 come out of his uh his race a lot better than he did last year. Um, you know, he's he's in really, really good order, you know, it didn't take a whole lot out of him. Um, you know, all going well, I'm sure he will go back and go the same path as he went last year and go for his race at Cheltenham and um hopefully go to the, the national, you know. I don't see why not. He's plenty of um plenty of legs left under him yet you know yeah great to hear that and it really is and it would excite people at that prospect as well now when you work with him your job as groom what do you do when you go and meet opera and get him ready um so you when you arrive at the races um you take him in and bring in all the gear and um he's brushed over and plotted up for the race um and then as it's time to uh, get him ready. You put his bridle on and paint his feet and um, just get any gear ready that he needs. Um, and then he's walked out for about 15, 20 minutes before he, he goes to uh, out to race. So um, and then he'll get his saddle on and yeah. get ready to go. So there's real preparation and that work on yeah. the feet and everything is part. It's a routine. I know you've said this and we met, of course, here on Late Lunch some time ago and we were talking about you and you have two sets of twins and, yeah. you know, routine with children, routine with horses. Yes, all, all the same, yeah? All the same, absolutely. They love being fed at the same time, exercised at the same time. Horses love routine. They really thrive on it, yeah. Does he understand, do you think, they say they're real intelligent animals, that, you know, when, when he meets you and when he's getting ready, he understands what to come. Do you get that feeling from him that he oh, knows? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the minute you go in with your bridle, he knows straight away that he's been prepared to, to go out and race, yeah. He lights up and he gets a little bit warm and yeah, he um he definitely knows when when it's time to go. Now this year again you had the honour with him and what an honour that is to lead him and <laughs> on this most famous of race days with no disrespect to Cheltenham and everywhere else and uh, what happens around the world with the big ones, the Grand National, people have a little punt on this, even if they don't know anything about horses and it is the focus. What does that mean to you? What did it mean to you to be there and in the spotlight? It's it's just absolutely unbelievable, you know. It's what you dream about, and you know, it's I'm, I'm so lucky to be in the position I am. You know, um, uh, I I just you know, it's it's really hard to describe the feeling that it, that you get, and you know, it's just to be amazing to be a part of a fantastic team. You know, mm. and this year we have to mention as well, he was carrying six more pounds. It's significant the way this handicapping works as well. You know, that was yeah. a- another burden to take with him round Aintree. That's it, exactly. Um, but, you know, this year going into the race, he just seemed, um, seemed to be so much, uh, so much stronger and you know um, he, he just seemed like it was going to be no problem to him you know mm. so 
this this is it now. Is he finished for the for the current season and everything? Couple coming into the summer, of course, more the flat season now. He'll uh, have a well earned rest. Yeah, that's it. I'd say he'll have maybe a few more days parading here and there, and he'll uh, he'll head out to the the field. I'd say for the summer now, that'll be him done. He deserves a good break. <laughs> he certainly does deserve a good break. Is right. Yeah. It'll be hard to top this for you, won't it? With this fella, with all he's enjoyed success wise, to get yeah. a better one than this. Yeah, I don't think I'll I'll ever I'll ever get my hands on a horse as good as him. You know, he's he's something special. Never say never, Louise. And it couldn't <laughs> happen to a nicer lady, I have to say. Delighted you. for you. Really delighted for everybody. Gordon, uh, Michael, the team, as you mentioned, the big team that's there uh, yeah. with Gordon working as well. All the people who every day of the year put the work in there. This big win is for everybody. And you've brought great honour and joy to so many people in, in County Meath and beyond. Well done to you all. Thank you so much. Not at all. Thank you for joining me. Take care of yourself. Take care, Louise. That's Louise McGee there, Tiger Rolls groom. And she's had the honour at entry two years in a row. What a fantastic, fantastic uh, story that is. It really is. We're heading to our first break of the afternoon on late lunch. And we're staying on the equine theme after the break. Stay with us. This is a a very interesting story indeed. Ger Lyons, a well-known, another well-known trainer in the Royal County, is joining me. And you'll be interested in what he has to say with regard to the welfare of horses. Ger Lyons is well-known in the racing game. His Glen Burnie stay at Dunsany. He's been there for a couple of decades and he's tweeted over the weekend or in the aftermath of the National uh, to a tweet. He's returned a tweet back to comedian Ricky Gervais. Everybody knows Ricky. He is an animal lover. Uh, but uh, Ger has described the tweet from Ricky as very ill-informed and offensive and Ger is with me on the line. Afternoon Ger. Afternoon Jerry. Thanks for taking my call. Now I do have to say you're a man who's followed Ricky Gervais haven't you? He's, he, he loves his animals. Yeah we all love, most of us love animals but um, Ricky's a very prominent uh, individual. He's thir- over 13.2 million followers on Twitter and Listen, the, the national, the national is just—it's an open goal for some of these activists and a person in his position. I just thought his tweet was ill-informed, and and um, I, I, I was offended by it. And I, I just thought some of us sometimes have to stand up and be counted when this, things like this happen. What did he say? He basically tweeted a picture of a horse with a tear running down its eye, which is humanising animals, as you know. And the, he said, "Why would you gamble with a horse's life for fun?" And hashtag that you bet they die, you know, which is ridiculous in the extreme. And you've seen this as something that raises its head annually when entry comes round. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, these guys seem to go into hibernation through the rest of the year. Um, and the national then attracts. I mean, they've done a fantastic job in the national since I was riding in it over, over the last twenty years. And as I said, it's the, the Saturday was the first time there was a death there since. Uh, 2012, I think, or something like mm. that. And, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but we're up there to be shot at as an industry, and, and unfortunately, it's always going to be the case. The... What he said, the words he said there, you, you've offered him the opportunity to come and join you in your yard now and have a look at what you do. Yeah, I would never expect him or anybody like him to come down, but, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of places he can go over in England nearer to where he lives but um like it's just i mean in every industry jerry there's there's good and there's bad mm. and um 
these horses are you know it's it's a, a well-worn cliche you know how how well they're treated and come down i mean you go to dublin i mean the the, the thing at the moment people are uh, up in arms about is homelessness you know and there's plenty of homelessness in dublin limerick cork and you come into a place like mine for argument's sake i can you know i can speak about my place because i'm working here every day and there's a hundred odd horses and we know how they're looked after. Yes, of course, in in a sport of this nature, speed kills, and there's always going to be um, instances like that. But I mean, it's it's been cut down year upon year, and and um, our, you know the care that's given to them is second to none. Um, the way we're we're governed is second to none, and and that's a movable feast. You know, the rules are changing day in and day out, and and the, the bureaucracy in our in our game is. Uh, increased no end in, in recent years so I mean we're in a very with social media and, and things like that we're in a very instant news uh, situation so you know there's no hiding place out there for uh, welfare issues so I mean um, but we're we're up there you know with a, with a race like the Grand National we're up there to be shot at and, and these guys take pots at us every year religiously and this year, obviously, it just irked you, and and you've hit back. I'd love to, I'd love him to take up your offer, to be honest with you, and come and see. I think that's something that people don't realise in sports, in field sports, and in the the country life, etc. Farming. You mentioned what you do as well, and it, it's an integral part of what we are here in Ireland. That that they don't understand the love or the care that people have. You know what I'm getting at. Yeah, listen, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it, like, it's a huge part of our culture. And it's something that, in my lifetime, from being a kid to where I am now, it has decreased because, I mean, when I was growing up, everybody wanted to be a jockey in our little uh, our little village. And, and you wouldn't get that nowadays. You know, it's just the mm. world has become a smaller place. And... and, and um, the agricultural side of business, it's been pushed to the back. You know, it's not as sexy as it used to be, I suppose. People don't want to work the hours we work, you know, 24-7 on call all the time. And, um, but, you know, we do it because we love it. And uh, I'm sure most of us do it regardless of pay. You know, we would do it because it's it's like a vocation. And um, sadly, sadly, as I say, races like the national i mean you can talk for it as long as you like but there'll always be as i call them clowns who who'll put their head above the parapet and get a cheap a, a cheap kick at us uh every year that grand national's on you know mm. and you do I, i'm just sitting here thinking what you say there's risk in every sport whether you know it involves animals or humans or whatever you do look at the fatalities we have with motorbike racing in formula one over the years which has improved immensely as well and they're all working on safety all the time but now and then and the nationally has had a very good record in more recent years they've changed the course the fences etc you, you alluded to something a moment ago i just want to go back to when when you rode in it my god at times I, i'm sure you felt then you might be taking your life in your hands you don't think like that at the time. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, I grew up and all I ever wanted to do was ride, and ride in the Grand National. And back then, I mean, I hate saying it, like back then, it it was the old course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, well, as they say, when men were men. But I mean, times change. And in fairness to 
to the organisers, they changed with the times and, and they listened to all the arguments and they made the place as safe as they possibly can. And if they make it any safer, which I don't mean that to sound derogatory or any way, but if they make it any safer, it won't be the spectacle that it, it is. And, and I'm not saying we risk uh, lives or limbs just for a spectacle, but the Grand National is a, a unique race. It's a little bit like the Paradebici over in Czechoslovakia. Um, it's a once-in-a-year a, a race, and it has to be that that little bit different. Otherwise, it becomes just another horse race, mm. you know, and it gets lost. Um, I mean, there's huge viewers watching it on Saturday on the TV and uh, huge attendance at the races, and they're there for a reason because of its uniqueness. So if you take that uniqueness away, we, we've lost something special, and, and we've just got to be careful. And, I mean, as I said to Louise, your producer earlier on, I mean, I hate giving oxygen to people like this because that's all they want. And sometimes you've got to take the knocks on the chin and and and, um, and move on and just let them let them die let them die where, where where they post them. But but somebody like Ricky Gervais, who has as I said that amount of followers, I mean he's just posting something like that, and it beca- it came across to me very ill-informed. Now I'm not saying he is ill-informed, and I don't really know that he is ill-informed or not. But it read ill-informed. And it's it read of a person who doesn't know what he's talking about regarding racehorses. And for that reason, and with that amount of followers, I think he has a responsibility to educate himself. And I just gave him an invite and said, no, I have no, I know well he won't come. And I don't know what would happen if he did come. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I want to be there with the microphone, OK? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just you get fed up with it listening to it and, and I mean an occasion like like Saturday and Little Tiger Roll doing, doing what he's done and Gordon winning his third national and his second with that horse I mean they, that should be applauded and uh, for the achievement that it is you know uh, yeah not taken away from it in, in any way a uh, hundred horses 365 days of the year lots of people with an input there it's substantial and I know that and I, I know you people as well to lose a horse at, at any stage is painful yeah absolutely I mean you know we it's it's we're, we're the guys living with them day in and day out and if somebody goes to the races on Saturday with a horse in a box and comes back with an empty box that hurts you know, but it's um, it's the game we live in. We we've grown to accept it, and and you just have to get on with your job. I mean, uh, and it's part of the job. And you're doing a great job, and all your people there, and you are an integral part, as you mentioned a moment ago, of what we are and the people we are in this country as well. Jer, thank you for talking to me. Appreciate it. If he comes back to you, I'd love if he replied. Especially, I'd love if he come over. My God, that would just be the the, the icing on the cake. I seriously doubt it. Uh, well, well, I doubt if he isn't even read it. <laughs> you know the people. You remember the office he made that series? <laughs> well, funny enough, I'm not actually a fan of his of his work. Yeah, uh, I mean, I follow him because he posts good pictures of uh, on on Twitter regarding animal welfare, yes. which I, I I agree with most of it. Mm. Um, but just because I agree with most of it doesn't mean I I can't disagree with some of it. Um, but I'm not a fan of his work per se. I wouldn't be an office fan or things like that. So yeah. um, I leave. I'm, I I doubt he's a fan of my work either. So we leave it at that. I was just going to say to finish, it's time to leave the office and head for the yard and understand what it's all about. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm getting that. Anyway, Jerry, good to talk to you on late lunch. Today. Day. Thanks a million. Cheers, Jerry. Thanks well, for taking the call. Take well, care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Jerry Lyons there. And uh, he checked that tweet out. He went back. He did it. Certainly uh, stung Jer, And he replied immediately Come on, Mr. Gervais. We want to hear from you. Come to me. Come on over and have a look. You'd be so welcome. 
It's a while since we have, but today we are going to, yes, talk to Talons once more. And I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch after a while away, Deirdre Moran, solicitor with Talons. You're very welcome, Deirdre. Good to see you again on the show. We're talking wills on Late Lunch this afternoon. If you have a question, I'll remind you again, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Now, Deirdre, this is a hot topic anytime we talk about it on the show. So let's begin at the start. Why is it important to make a will? It's very important to make a will because it's going to be the last thing that you say to the most important people in your life. Also, you it gives you control in relation to your property and assets. And if you have young children, you should have a will in place because if you die and they're under the age of 18, you need to have a trust set up uh, whereby uh, their finances can be looked after properly. And also you need to address where are they going to live? Who are they going to live with in the event of your death? So if we just try and focus in on this, if you're a young person growing up at home, starting off in life, coming up into your teens, you maybe you start, you go studying or you start your first job. A will is not that important there. As soon as you own property, enter a relationship, will they be two defining moments in life? Owning property and having children, whether you're married or not married, are the two important times that you need to consider making a will. One of the serious implications if you don't? If you don't make a will, the rules of intestacy apply. And I'll just take you through them so you get an idea of how it works. So if you don't make a will and you're married or um, there's no longer civil partnerships, but there there may still be some um, in existence because of, you know, it's been assumed into the same sex marriage act. If you don't have a will, well, then you're in and you've no children. The entire estate goes to your spouse. That may not be what you wanted, but then again, that's possibly fine for most people. If you have children and a spouse, your children get one third of your estate and your spouse gets two thirds. If you don't have a spouse and you don't have children... And all you you have are your parents. Well, your parents will get uh, your estate. If you don't have parents living and you only have brothers and sisters, it'll go to the brother and sisters equally. Or if one of those has died to their children equally. If you don't have uh, brothers and sisters and you have nieces and nephews, it'll go to them equally. If you don't have nieces and nephews, we're now going out to the more extended family. Whatever relatives are there, it'll go to them equally. If you have no relatives, that's when it goes to the, the government, to the state as such. So you can see those rules of intestacy may not reflect what you want as a person. So you have to take back the control uh, by making the will. So it is so important. If you don't do this, you're handing it over to others, really, to make exactly. decisions for what you leave behind and you have no say on it. Exactly. Simple as. And since 2010, with the Cohabitants Act, there's a new category of people that can come into uh, this situation of both wills and intestacy. And it's an unusual situation. It's an, it's an unusual category of people. You can only be what's called a qualifying cohabitant if you've been living together in an intimate, uh, committed relationship 
for five years if there's no children and two years if there's children. And there's been some interesting case law on what is a a qualifying cohabitant and how uh, you can make a claim on somebody's estate if you say that you are. Have you a case? Have you an example for us? There was a recent case in 2015, DC versus DR, that was in the High Court. And it involved a farmer in his 60s who was uh, also a horse trainer. And he was involved with a lady in her 60s. And he had lived with his mother and she had lived with her mother. And uh, they started to become intimate uh, in 1995. Uh, And when his, her mother died in 1996, they became more committed. He would go and stay with her two or three days of the week while minding his elderly mother. And she inherited quite a lot of land. She inherited over three million in land. And so they enjoyed a very nice lifestyle of going to the races and uh, leisure clubs and uh, got new cars. And then she got cancer in 2009. And while she was successful in beating it for a period of time, it came back in 2013 and she considered marrying him, but was told by the local priest she had to give three months notice. That three months notice could have been foreshortened if she had been advised of that by making a court application, but she didn't. So she died without marrying him and without making a will. And she had three brothers. Now, she was 69 years of age. As well as that, when the gentleman's mother died, he actually moved in with her. So they had been living together, enjoying this nice lifestyle. They were in their 60s from a farming background down the country. The brothers... uh, believed that they were just friends. They had never believed that they were anything more than friends. So the farmer contested her estate on the basis that he was a qualified cohabitant. And the judge had to look at all the circumstances of the case and decide, was it an intimate relationship? An intimate must mean sexual. Was it committed? Uh, And was he dependent financially on her? Because you have to prove that to get what's called redress out of somebody's estate. And the fact her brothers didn't know that they had been intimate, the judge felt was not a bar to him succeeding because you had to take the context of the case. They were people in their 60s in a period in Ireland where living together wouldn't have been considered the correct thing to do. And she was a private and discreet person who had not told her brothers fully of the intimate nature of the relationship. And he succeeded because he could prove that he was dependent. He, when he was living with his mother, made no alternative arrangements for accommodation because he moved in with her and he assumed always that that was his accommodation. So the court found in his favour. And did he get all or percentage? No, he got he, he got, got redress. Oh, oh from, my God. Isn't that an interesting case? And a real telling one as well. Come on to this point. Can can I make a will myself uh, without going to a solicitor? Yes, you can, but you would have to be very careful how you do it because there are certain rules, um, there's certain ways in which a will must be made and it's complex enough for solicitors to remember how to do it correctly and how to word it correctly without somebody doing it on their own. The possibility is that the will may be found to be invalid. So, the advice would be go to your solicitor. 
and they will guide you through what is needed to make a will. What do you need? What do you need to bring to us? Well, you need to be over 18 years of age. You need to be of sound mind. um, And you come with details of your uh, assets and your potential beneficiaries. We'll talk you through it. We have um, a standard checklist that we use when people come in to make their wills. And some of the questions are a little bit personal, but there are reasons why we ask them uh, so that we can get a full picture and then we can advise the person accordingly. So what we do is we go through a standard checklist. We'll ask you, are are you married? Are you single? Are you cohabiting? Now that you can see how relevant that is. Uh, Do you have foreign property? Because that can be significant. Do you have children? Uh, If you, even when you're married, we have to ask the question, do you have non-marital children? Because that is relevant. And you have to ask them about their health. Because even though somebody sitting before you could be in their 40s, they may be experiencing minor strokes and that might affect their ability to give you legal instructions. So you have to ask the person's age, you have to ask about their health. Then you will take them through an asset check. So you'll ask them, what their assets are and everyone's major asset is their house and you need to know where's the title documents generally in a lending institution if they have a mortgage if they don't have a mortgage it could be at home which you should never do never have title documents at home so you need to find out all of those things you need to find out what bank accounts they have where they are you don't need to know what's in them but where are they Uh, do they have life policies Do they have prize bonds? People forget the prize bonds all the time. Do they have a post office account, building society account, pensions? These are all the important things that you need to know because you need to go through with them. What do they want to do with each asset? Yes. And where do they want it to go? Who do they want it to leave it as well? What about the witnessing of a will? Who can witness the will? A will has to be witnessed in a certain way. The person has to be who's signing the will in a room with the two witnesses at the same time. So while it says a will requires two witnesses, the witnesses must be physically present. And that is so important. There's no way around that. No, they Will must that be invalidate a will yes. if they're not there? Yes. Can the executor of a will, that's the person who's given responsibility for carrying out the wishes of the will, be a witness? No. So the executor can't be a witness. But the executor can be a beneficiary. Okay, that's a major distinction there. So yes. it is. is it best really that you would get, if you go into a solicitor's practice, which most people do, to get a couple of people in the practice to do the witnessing? We generally have uh, the solicitor and a secretary witness the will. Okay, and that's that works well like that yes. and everything is done properly. Yes. Where should a will be stored? A will should be stored with your solicitor. And the reason for this is we have a fireproofed strong rooms so that if anything happens to our office, at least the will will be safe. The title documents and wills that are stored there are safe. If you keep your will at home, you could lose it, you could misplace it, your house could go on fire, you may not have a fireproofed area that would uh, protect it and then you die intestate. How often can I change my will? You could change your will every day if you wished. A will speaks from death, so technically you could, although it'll cost you a lot of money if you were going into your solicitor every day to change your will. But you should certainly 
review your will on a regular basis. How, how much do you mean by regular there? It depends on everybody's individual circumstances. As we go through life, things happen. We gather assets. We might end up with a second property. We could be very lucky, as we've seen recently around the Drogheda area, and you could win the lotto. Yes. So a change of circumstances that is significant requires you to reconsider what you have in your Don't will. leave it there for years and years and not revisit it. Can you find out if somebody's made a will even though they haven't told you that there is one? Can you do a search on a will? A will is a private document, so it is a matter for the person who's made the will uh, to tell somebody that they have made it and where it is. What often happens after the person has passed, if they haven't told their executor or a family member, my will is in Talons or my will is in whatever solicitor's office it is, there is a problem uh, for the beneficiaries because they don't know where it is. They may have seen a copy of it, there may be a copy in the house, but it mightn't necessarily lead them to the right solicitor. You, What you'd have to do is consult a solicitor and they would then write to the solicitor's firms in the locality that that person may have gone to, to inquire as to whether they had made a will with them and did they hold it. If that doesn't yield information, you can put an advertisement in a national newspaper or the Law Society Gazette, which goes nationwide, to inquire where the will might be. Unfortunately, if you cannot find the will, well, then it's taken they've died. Well, back to square one. I have adult children in their 20s. If myself or my husband died, would they be entitled to some of the assets and property? Adult children in 20s. One or other of the husband or wife dies. Have they an entitlement? It depends on what's in the will. Are they talking about whether there's a will or... If yeah, well, you see, this is the thing. And I want to say that back to you. If you have a will, you specify. Yes. yes. And if husbands you don't, and wives generally make um, wills whereby they would leave everything to each other, mm. appoint each other executors, and then they would deal with what would happen in the event of both of them dying in circumstances where it's taken that they've died together. So, for example, you step out onto a pedestrian crossing and you're mowed down by a truck, you're killed in a car crash, you go on a plane together, or in circumstances where you get illnesses, and this often happens as we get elderly, and within two months of each other, you've died. That is taken that you've died together. So generally, people address that situation, they appoint new executors and then they say what will happen to their estate Mm. and most people if they have children they will leave it to their children in equal shares except in certain circumstances so the will will address all of those things once it's made. And I think that is the point of that person there. If you have the will and you specified, if you don't have a will, if I take it that you don't have a will and you have these adult children, well then, if anything happened, one or the other, they're going to come into the picture. 
for sure. Without well, a will, test to see if there if both parents are dead and there are children, the children will, will take inherit. Equally. But say one person dies there, the husband or the wife, and there are three adult children, and that person who dies is intestate, no We're will. We're back to the rules of intestacy, which means that the children will benefit. That's for sure. They're going to get a percentage of it. That is that is a fact. Can you write someone out of a will? In fairness, after you die, if you say, for example, I'm only coming up with an example here. Say you don't want someone in your family, be it children or whatever, to have anything belong to you, and you cut them out entirely and leave what you have to somebody else. Oh yes, can that be challenged? You can do it, and it can be challenged. So to answer the two questions, yes, yes, it can be done, and it can be challenged. You don't have to leave anything to your children. There is nothing in the Succession Act that puts an obligation on a person to leave anything to their children. So conceivably, you could make your will and leave your children out entirely. Okay. Now, there is a proviso in that the Section 117 of the Succession Act allows your children challenge your will. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Because you've done that. And they would do so on the basis that you failed in your moral duty to make proper provision for them. Now, um, there is a lot of cases on that particular point uh, that have gone to the courts. And uh, it's the area that's most highly contested uh, in relation to uh, estates. So you have to be very careful when you are making your will to consider that because the cost of such a challenge is in the circuit court and they are not cheap to take. Okay, so you can challenge, but there's going to be a a cost to it. Um, Let me see. Uh, Tommy is a house owner and pays all his taxes and his household tax. Surely he's entitled to leave his house to whoever he wants. You can leave your house to whoever you want with the proviso that if you have 
a spouse, you have to leave them their legal right share. You cannot leave your spouse out of your will unless you and your spouse are judicially separated and there's a court order to say that the spouse cannot inherit or you're divorced and the order says the spouse cannot inherit. And you, if you leave your children out, as previously stated, they can challenge your will. <laughs> I'm laughing for the that. point of view. Tommy, you're a goose. You can, but you can't. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. And <laughs> what Deirdre means, not what I mean. What she, She's the expert here. Here's another. Look, we're getting loads of questions on what Deirdre has said, because time's going to beat us now. We're going to take these questions, right? And Deirdre's coming back for part two of Wills, and she's going to address all your questions, and we're going to do that specifically next time round, because we're, we're, we're really fleeting through it today as, as much as we can. Here's this one for you. My brother passed away last year. He was 68. He was living in the home house. It wasn't his house as such as it was in my father's name who passed away a good while ago. There were no wills made at all. Where do we stand? Hmm. Well, it's very difficult to deal with when you don't have the actual specifics. You you would have to meet the person and get the full details before you would give. But in general, no will from the father, the son living in the house until he went into his late 60s passed away as well. No will either. It's a tricky one, isn't it? It is. And again, the rules of intestacy would apply and you would have to know the full details of the family before you could comment on that at all. Okay, and we'll 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 have a little deeper look at that. We'll hold it, Bridie, as well for that bunch of. They're flying in here at the minute. The questions by WhatsApp and text. Keep them coming to us because we are going to deal with them. Not today, but down the road, we're going to deal with them at their oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. Um, who's entitled uh, to a copy of a will? While the person is alive, they can give a copy of their will to whoever they wish. It's their document. It's their decision. In the event of their death, uh, it is a private document until it's taken to probate. So until a grant of probate is taken out, it remains private and the executor and the beneficiaries are the only parties who can have a copy of the will. But once it's gone to probate and it goes through the probate office, anyone can search in the probate office for somebody's will. And they can see whatever is in the will because it's now a document of public record. Okay, two scenarios, marriage and divorce, Uh, looking at both. uh, Do they revoke a will? Does marriage revoke a will? Marriage revokes a will unless that uh, will was made in contemplation of marriage to the person who you have uh, made a beneficiary of your will. And just to give a quick example of that, because I know we're up against... uh, time. Uh, There was a case where, again, it was a farmer who was getting married. Uh, He got engaged. Uh, He made his will in October 2008, got married in 2009. But the will that he made uh, after getting engaged, he left his land to his nephew and whatever was left over to his fiancé. I was about to say finance. (laughs) It's all about money, Deirdre. I know, I know, I know. He died shortly after they married and his then wife uh, challenged the will, hoping to clear away the nephew and get all of the land for herself on the basis that their marriage had revoked his previous will. He had died intestate. She was the only spouse, so thus she should get everything. But the court 
upheld his will on the basis that he was new, he was marrying her, he was engaged to her, the date was set, so he had made the will in contemplation of that marriage and knew that all he was leaving her was what was called the residue. So marriage, no? Marriage will revoke a will unless it's a will made in contemplation of marriage. Divorce. Divorce, no, but it is a change of circumstance that is very significant. And as you get your divorce order, you should come and see your solicitor and make a new will. Deirdre, we leave it there for today. You can talk to talents in Drogheda and Ashbourne at any stage. Deirdre will be back. We'll give her copies of all the questions. She's coming back to this on a late lunch and we'll deal with the specifics and more besides. But for the moment, Deirdre Bourne, it's great to see you again on late lunch this afternoon. Listen to this for a bit of history. It opened first in 1896. It took passengers, yes, until 1934. It's a long time ago before it finally closed in 1975 because between 34 and 75 it was big for goods travelling the railway line into RD Railway Station. And I have a man with me today who's undertaken to restore the station and transform it for the town of RD. Dermot Maguire, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. How are you, Jerry? Thank you for joining me. Uh, Thank you. Not at all. You're so welcome. This intrigues me. Uh, What's in the station? Who's operating out of it at the moment? Midlow Garage. Cormac McCarthy, there are his tractors, is operating now of the station. At the moment, he is like, and the track bed is a pleasant walkway from RD. It goes nearly to Strabannon, it is, where it used to run to Drummond Station, Junction Lake. And from there on, like, it's just wilderness. Like, the M1 has crossed a part of its path, like. Mm. But basically, I am on about the station itself, like, the old buildings and the old platforms that are were left there, like. And they are there still? They are there still, but they were overgrown like one of them was in bad repair another one was not so bad repair like so basically I took back in the summer or in the Christmas of 2015 like we started at the end of the railway walk at the bridge the railway bridge and we were cutting the grasses from from the railway bridge up to the station when we got to the station like what more could we do like we just looked and it was like a jungle ahead of us like so we started to mow the grass accordingly to to open up the area and as we were opening up the area we were coming across little artefacts like railway nails and what you got railway chairs like some dating from one one is dating from 1903 and I have another one dating to 1915 like I have So when you were getting into this I'm sure there was more than grass brambles briars trees you name it Rubbish uh, household waste like (gasps) there was Bicycle frames, any sort of rubbish that you could come across, like was under on this green area, like well wasteland, like yes. So we started to put it into piles, like and cutting it. Now I had the boys there, as you know, like it's a CE scheme, like, and some of them can't stay that long, but they left me down to take care of the rest of the rest of it to do what I liked with it like because I have an interest because I'm not originally from RD I'm originally Mullingar man I am like and I all I was brought up around the railways in Mullingar like and I had great time for the railway and I love my history I do like so we started cutting I started cutting that back with strimmers and it's well over about an acre of ground down there like at this green area like and cut it back and cut it back and I got a few Jim Mack in there in the town give me a few 
few loads of topsail down. We kind of got it level, we kind of got it ready for lawnmowers. So we put the lawnmowers on it then and we started quoting it and people started to take note. Yes. Have you pictures before and after? I have pictures before and after. I'd love to see those. Will you send them in to us? I will. I want to see those. I really do. So you, and and this is nearly a personal crusade for you. You've been at this all the time. You've kept at this since 2015. I kept it. Well, one year I was away from it. It was like, and then I I was back. Like, because my two years was up. Like, but I was was brought back because the the people of the town seen that I was doing a job on it and they wanted more done like they did. Mm. They have see have a plan in my head for the station, like to bring bring any part of the old platforms back into life. Like, now I have the cattle bank. This one was from O'Carroll Street, the red gate, like into the station. This one, not the mid low gate, but the red great gate. That was into the cattle bank. That's where they loaded the cattle to the trains, and behind them houses, down to the textiles, there was a textile factory there, like back in the day, and behind those houses was another green area waste ground that I have cleared up and that's was the paddock that's where they kept the cattle so they drove the cattle out of there onto the trains from my platform the cattle bank platform like, yeah. onto the trains from there and that platform is completed from ramp to ramp which was only last Wednesday I took the shutter and off the last bit of happened there, like, and it turned out well, like, and so that is actually still there. That is, you can see that the whole lot of it now. There was a hundred and hundred and twenty something odd foot of capping missing off the wall. Mm. So we had we had no other choice but to pour it with concrete, like. Mm. But the rest of the stonework on it was near underground, and that hundred and twenty foot of it. So, would you like to see the station? Given that there is a business there yeah. as well, but the, 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 out the back at the, 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 what you've been working on there, you'd like to see that restored as much as possible. I'd like to see, like the other platform, the passenger platform. Yeah. Like this was a pl- platform that the passengers used until nineteen thirty-four. As you yes, said, like or in our day like mm. I'd like to see I have pla- this platform is in bad repair it is like there's around about oh, 60 70 foot of good that I'd be able mm. to take care of. but as there was some lovely granite stone buildings on it that were demolished by Irish Rail back in the day like as, what a pity as they didn't know what they had oh then. no indeed they demolished they lovely granite buildings and they outstruck the platform so yeah they took away walls off the platform, so to order to rebuild it, like it would be mm. a, a giant venture. A big, big job is right. Now you mentioned it goes. There's a walkway here. Is that can you walk yeah. the old railway? How far you out can, from Ardy? You, you were can, saying to where? You can nearly walk as far as Strabannon. Like, can you? Strabannon Cross. You know, the Strabannon yes. Cross. Yeah. On, on and you can you can walk that still. You can yeah, you can walk that, but like as you get further and further down, it gets kind of wilder. You know. Yeah, of course. Is there potential to open that up? Do you think as as a new you know these greenway yeah. walks that are happening everywhere? Is there yeah, potential there for that? There's a great potential for it because there's a lot of people in Ardy, and as me getting the platform and all the green area back out, there's people coming from across the border down in Mead, like coming across into, say, into Dunlear, and people are all over are coming to walk it with their dogs. Like, I have seen many people down there now in Mead, there's works down okay. there. Like, there are strangers, and they come up and they ask you what it was like, and, mm. and they compliment me on what it was done like on mm. it. So there's lots of potential more there's there with more manpower and resources. Yeah. That's what you need, is it? Yeah, if you could get this a cycle lane on it, like, and... Uh, Wouldn't it be brilliant? A cycle lane and a pedestrian walk, like... Because mm. I have a young family there, like, my youngest is three, like, and my eldest would be... Well, my eldest would be 18, she would, 19, like, and... 
we we use that as a safe code like for them. Like they can go on their bicycles and go ahead of us, and they can ride. Mm. The path is a kind of a gravel path. Like it's not. Yes. It could do what the greenways, as you says. Like mm. greenways could put any eye on it. Like. And we were only talking about this with yeah. Louise last week on the show about cycle, you know, cycleways in some towns and that. But that it's dangerous to go out on the country road yeah. cycling. But if you had a place like this, no traffic or anything, she'd be only too happy to let your children go cycling yeah it's somewhere that they can cycle and you you know that they're not going to run they're out in front safe. of the car they're absolutely and safe. Going to run out in front yeah. of them like. go, come back to the history of it I, I, I mentioned the dates there the different dates so you it was connected to the main Dublin Belfast line and Dremin Junction there was a, yeah. a spur off there there was a spur off that went up to RD and yeah. where did it go beyond RD? RD, it stopped in RD. That's as far as the station. All right. Like. Okay. I think I think back in the day when they built the station, there was plans to send it down west, mm. but I don't think that materialised mm. into anything. Like yeah, but yeah. like it was it, it, like this, the building, the, the Midlow garage now, and the the, the the station itself. It's a beautiful building. You swear we've only built it yesterday, and we have still got the station master's house. Like. See, we get the the bit of funding we're getting is RD Tidy Towns, like mm-hmm. Mickey Rooney there and Jim Tinity there, the chairman of RD Tidy Towns, like are doing fantastic work in the town. As you know, we won the gold medal there last year. That's for, right, yeah. For the Tidy Towns, yeah. like, and it it it'd be a great feat for us to get that little bit done, like, because the section that I am at the opening there has no public lighting in it. And after, you know, six o'clock in the winter's evening, you can't see your hand in front of you, like. Mm. And I just like to be able to light that up for people that, so they'll be able to walk through that part without falling yeah. over anything, you know. I brought you on here today because when we spotted this, this is a lovely project mm. and it's small resources that have been pitched at it as you say yeah. at the moment with a lot of voluntary work and yourself yeah. to the sea scheme which is which is limited and the manpower is as well but it's something really that deserves consideration I think so Jerry because it's we're losing so many stations around the country like Nobber station there I've seen the boys working in Nobber and they're open and they're cutting back the bank but these these stations like the young people of RD and the young people of County Loud like in future years to come, if I didn't, or people like myself didn't take on these jobs, the young people in the further generations would never ever know that the station was there. Like mm. I know, as a child, I used to love running down along the platform, up the ramp, and down the far side of the ramp, and you can see the kids now in RD running along that now, as I used to do when I was a child. So it brings back lovely it memories to you. Brings back great memories to me, like it does. Like, and I was always intrigued with anything vintage, like you mm. know, anything history-wise. Like I was always intrigued. So, in what it. can really help you to cut to the chase today? What do you need? What the, I, I could do a lot of stuff. I could do with lights for first of all. I could do with Greenways Ireland maybe coming in and having a, a look at it, having a look and see that we qualify for yeah. any any York. I think the Lords Minogue now has a has 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 a, has, a, has something put in to see can she get a Greenways in into it. Like, but we mm. have the problem of the M1 cutting across it. Yes, beyond Brannan Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that was a problem because it'd be split, uh, split then. Mm. Like, what do you do there? Do you put a, a tunnel? Or do yeah, you, do you <laughs> with the God, with the God, it's hard enough to get tunnels for know, traffic and people. Yeah. Never mind for Greenway, but you never know. Look but at if you, you go get you, as far as as there as as, as Strabannon done. Yeah, it'd be a great resource for the yeah. town of RD. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, so that's a good run, run there yeah. out from RD to Strabannon. Yeah. People you see running it every day. You see people walking and running in the rain and. 
what not like you know like every day there's people using that walk like and it like it could be used to better it potentially could so be. anyone with uh, listening today that can lend a help to Dermot how do people get in touch with you to, to if I they want I have a Facebook page I have there called Dermot in RD from from Mullingar and you can Dermot in RD from Mullingar from Mullingar and that will show you all the, the, the parts and what not of the railway line in RD and other parts of RD it's not just based on the yes. railway line the castle and that because like, we're hmm. trying to get the castle open at the moment as you know like. yeah a lot going on down yeah. there you, you do a bit of work with bicycles as well you mentioned bicycle yeah. there and cycling you're into restoring old bicycles I'm into bi- restoring old yeah. bicycles I have bicycles from 1934 to 1984 I have like and most of them are rebuilt and most of them are frames but I have some nice stuff like and I always since the age of I was given my first bicycle by a friend of the family when I was maybe 13 and by the year 15 or 16 I could take that bike apart and put it back together and from there I took on like and I life gets ahead of you like and you lose interest and you get a car like and you lose interest in the bicycles but two years ago three years ago I got back into the bicycles I bought my first one in over 20 or 30 years like and I started rebuilding that again it opened up a fact it opened up an old love of mine and I just into it again like and I've over as I says I've over about 10 bicycles already in the shed like from rally 20s to Humber bikes like and are these for you or are you restoring them to sell them on these ones are my own ones like Mm. any ones from the 1930s up to I have 1970 I have 1974 Rally 20, like in mint condition. I bought here in Drogheda of a, of a lad that was cleaning out a house, like, and it's in mint condition. Like, the shopper that your mother used to go to the shop on, like, yes, but it's in beautiful condition with the basket, like, yeah, the basket. And that, that's mine, It'll all of remain mine. That you won't get rid of that one, no, and a few but, of the older ones, like, yeah. But, but would you sell if, if someone came to you? I, I probably would sell, like, because I, I have only a 10 by 12 shed, I have like, and I'm running out of space, like, at the minute, like, <laughs> you'll have to, like, you'll have to move them through, so you will, yeah. That's but a lovely I, hobby. I always had a hobby like that, and I was always good with my hands, like you mm. know, mm. like um, my grandfather. My grandfather was a soldier man. He was like he 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 was forty two years in the army there in artillery Mullingar. Like he was like he was originally from Dublin, like, and he used to have the old bicycle home with him, like, and mm. you know, I, I took I took pride of that. So I want to make I want to replicate an old army bicycle, like. Okay. Oh, one frame. I have a frame there as a Hercules frame, and I want to replicate that into an army bicycle. I do like what he had in honour of him. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. He's a great fellow. You're a very handy man. Well, anyway, uh, RD Railway Station. Dermot Maguire is down there. Give him a shout. Call in. He works away there himself. He's made a marvelous job of it, and he's with us today saying. A little more support would enable him and others to do an awful lot more with the station and the Greenway down to Stabannon. I wish you well with that and the bikes. I'll have to pop down sometime and have a look at these bikes in your shed. No bother, Jerry. You can have a look at them. <laughs> Absolutely. For the moment, Dermot McGuire, thank you for joining me on Late Lunch. And thank you very much, Jerry. Not at all. It's a pleasure. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Selection used car event is now on. If you want to save thousands, check out this month's offers, including low APR finance, two years warranty and roadside assistance. Terms and conditions apply. I want to make a little appeal for a friend of mine, and it's around angling fishing, as you know, I'm big into. About well, exactly three weeks ago this coming Wednesday, my friend was fishing the River Nanny round the El Molino Hotel 
uh, you know the area you know the area there just up from the El Molino he had his car parked he was fishing the nanny there packed up his gear into the car and headed home and when he got home he realised he left his damn two-piece split cane rod behind him now listen to this he has this rod since he was a nipper 1955 1955 he has the rod since and it's of huge sentimental value value to this guy he came back from the house it took him a little while to get back down but the rod was gone Wednesday this Wednesday it'll be three weeks ago this Wednesday the El Molino just up from the El Molino people parked the car there there's a barrier steel barrier the fishing rod was there would anyone have picked it up and still have it and wonder whose it was would you have found a fishing rod beside the River Nanny almost three weeks ago if you have, it really is precious to this person and he will give a small reward if the rod is returned. If you know anything or can help us or heard a word at all, give us a shout on 1850-715-958. It would mean an awful lot. Louise, Ireland's Got Talent should be changed. They should change the name of it to Ireland's Got Dancers. Oh, big time. Were you watching it last night, Jerry? I saw it, I was home a little later after fishing and uh, I watched it with Miriam and I just have to say, three dance troops in the final three, forget about it. Forget about it. Change the name. Ireland's Got Dancing. Let's just call it Ireland's Got Dancing from now on. Too small a country, I think. Oh my God Almighty. Your friends, family. So the dance troops and all their knowledge with social media and voting and mass voting, it's nonsense altogether. Individual acts have no hope. You give up on it. Give up on it. They have to change it. They have to do something else. Have a category for dancers if you want and have a winning dance troupe and something else. Yeah, not taken away from the people who won because they were good. But they were you brilliant. could have maybe a separate series for just acts. They may do something with it. It needs doing. I love it. I think it's a great production. It's one of the best they do that they ape from somewhere else and it's a franchise But please, please do something with the dance troops. It's just doing it no good, to be honest with you. The UK one has started now, hasn't it, with Ant and Deck? Yeah, the new series there. But, you know, a dance troupe did win that once, I think, but it's not all that win it. But now we have the scenario already in Ireland that this is happening. Change it, change it, change it, folks, for next year. Anyway, look at that smile on my face. Who's coming to Dublin in July? We're nearly running out the door with your camping gear to Ticketmaster this morning. I'm going camping. Stevie Wonder Mm. is coming in July and I've never seen him and I want to see him and please that I get just two tickets to go and see him I love him I've loved him all my life he's spectacular they'll be snapped up I want to see him one gig in the three arena tickets on sale on Friday two tickets I just want to he'll do more than one date won't he he'd sell it out for a week no problem surely ah come on don't let me down on this one do you like Stevie Wonder yourself I love him do you you can't not like him what's your favourite song (sighs) have you a favourite so many well, I just called to say I love you. <laughs> the Stevie Wonder song. That was our wedding song. Uh, was it? Yes. Oh, but didn't know Stevie that. Wonder. I love Superstition. Master I love Lately. Uh, oh, there's just so many songs. Isn't she lovely? You played oh, that a few times on the show. Oh, my God, for we people. have indeed. Um, so many times. He has such a repertoire of songs. You know, he's brilliant. I'm sure he could play a number of different gigs and play a different set each time round. I was watching James Corden with him in Carpool Karaoke. Oh, that's so funny. Stevie was behind the wheel. <laughs> Of a car. And in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should look at it. It's absolutely brilliant. Anyway, heading. Cathy Maher is back with us, one of our regulars on Late Lunch from Haven Pharmacy in Dilly. Cathy, you're very welcome to the show yeah, again. Thank you for joining us. You're going to have a chat with osteoporosis. Now, this is something that is more prevalent now. Yes. Yes, we're seeing a lot more. 
um, diagnoses, but also we're looking at a lot of prevention. As we've talked lots and lots of times, we're all living longer, so our bones have to last us right until the end. So we really want to talk about keeping the bones healthy. There's some modifiable risk factors, so there's something we can do about it, but there's some non-modifiable risk factors as well. Typically, osteoporosis had, or brittle bone disease, a lot of people would know it as, it was nearly something your granny had. It was an older woman's condition. But it's not. It does affect one in three females, but it affects one in five males. So that's a very startling statistic. So really, we want to talk a bit about osteoporosis, what it actually is, how to prevent it and how to treat it. And then are you at risk? So a little bit around that. So what is it? It's a progressive, so that means it can, it worsens as we age. Skeletal, so it affects the skeletal system, the bones in our body, disease. It causes a reduced bone mass, so the weight and the the, the mass, the, the mass of the bones. But it also causes the architecture, so the tissues all inside the bones to deteriorate as well. So if the weight of the bone reduces and the architecture within the bone reduces, then that bone is quite fragile and can happen can lead to a risk of fragility fractures or stress fractures people might hear of and they tend to be a fragility fracture or stress fracture is what we call a fracture or break in a bone that has happened because of low mechanical force so if someone has fallen from a height less than their own height so someone is just a simple trip if they have a significant fracture then straight away we would query is the bone as strong as it should be Oftentimes when we hear of people with maybe back pain or shoulder pain or hip pain that really, really goes on for a long time, we would be suggesting that they have an X-ray and a DEXA scan because they may have had a fracture and not been aware of it. That That's also very, very common. So because it's around bone density, um, very often people will hear, certainly when you get to a certain age, of a DEXA scan. And that's a dual energy X-ray absorptometry. So that's really not just an x-ray, but it looks at the density of the bones. And that can range from a normal, so a, your typical adult, young adult, normal bone density, to someone who has moderate um, osteopenia, which would be a precursor. So that's a warning sign. And lots of lots of people are coming in now with this term of osteopenia. osteopenia. And for that, I said, that's a warning. We can look at the prevention, we can look at treatment, and look to really stop that progressing into osteoporosis. Now, here's the thing. You mentioned the breakdown, men and women, one in three, one in five. The other aspect around risk is, is it an age... I know you said it was your granny's disease, but mm-hmm. is it age-related as well? Is it more likely that as we age and move through the life stages, this is more an issue. It absolutely is um, particularly with women. Postmenopausal women have a slight acceleration at that stage for a period of time after the menopause their risk of um, osteoporosis does significantly increase. It's also genetic. It is family history and people okay. will also talk about their mother, their granny, yeah. relatives having it. Um, if you've ever had a broken bone, particularly as an adult from a standing position or less you're at a greater risk of, of osteoporosis. Things like if we look at older people and we all talk about losing our height, and I'm not tall, but I wouldn't want to lose any more, but if your height reduces, um, it can be a sign that the spine is beginning to crumble. The spine is something that is really important in terms of osteoporosis. Other risk factors that we look at, and they increase as, as life goes on. So if you take perhaps steroids, and we've talked about steroids for a long time, um, if you take oral steroids for any length of time, more than 30 days, more than a month, that puts your bones at significant risk. So we straight away in pharmacy think, right, is that person I take a calcium supplement at the vitamin D, 
supplementation okay? Is their diet okay? Um, if anyone has had a past or a present eating disorder, that puts the bones at a huge risk um, of density, of losing the density. Long-term conditions. So as we age, we do develop things like diabetes, um, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, Crohn's, colitis, an awful lot of conditions that happen later in life put us at greater risk of osteoporosis. Also, anyone with a high thyroid condition or underactive thyroid, they again can affect your bone density. Veganism is very current, very trendy. Vegetarianism, you're not getting all of the dairy product produce that we need. We need 700 milligrams of calcium a day for bone formation and for bone protection. So then bones, then bones need calcium is very true. So it's a risk in terms of veganism and vegetarianism. If supplementation doesn't occur, there is a risk of osteopenia and osteoporosis. So all of these are risk factors. So yes, our bones age as we age, but they're also risk factors. The non-modifiable family history. There's a very, very strong influence in family history. And when we look at female patients, when menstruation starts, when menopause kicks in, all of that is genetically linked. So there's a very strong family history, but that's not to say it's taken as given that you'll develop osteoporosis, but there is ways of preventing it. Food intake is one. Calcium, you mentioned there. Milk good for your calcium-rich foods. What else? Is vitamin D. That's vitamin crucial, isn't it? It's yeah. crucial. And, do you know, I think at this stage, we nearly estimate almost everyone in the Northern Hemisphere, certainly in Ireland, is vitamin D deficient. And if you don't eat plenty of oily fish, red meat, liver, um, egg yolks, there's an awful lot of vitamin D in all of that. It's very unusual for everyone to get all of their vitamin D requirements in diet alone. So it's almost recommended that nearly everyone speaks to their pharmacist about vitamin D supplementation. Um, We live in the Northern Hemisphere. We don't have a huge amount of sunshine. Um, But from late March, early April, which is right now where we are, up until October, we do have enough sunshine to start to help our bodies metabolise vitamin D. And vitamin D is essential to help our bodies absorb calcium. So 15, 20 minutes outside today is enough to help your body with vitamin D. So you would recommend, if someone came to you with osteopenia, which is the precursor to this, mm-hmm. you would recommend vitamin D number one. Absolutely. As vitamin D Anything else? Um, exercise. I can't right. underestimate the, the power of exercise in preventing and treating anyone with a diagnosis of osteopenia or osteoporosis because it's the weight-bearing exercise. So anything that you're really putting your weight on your joints and on your bones. So um, walking, jogging, running, um, anything like that. Also, you need to strengthen and stretch. So resistance training at least twice a week. Yoga, Pilates, weights, all of that helps strengthen the bones as well. Um, walking, aerobic exercise needs to be 30 times, 30 minutes a day, five times a week, 150 minutes a week we aim for. That's really, really important. We need people to stop smoking. Smoking is strongly increased the risk of osteoporosis and alcohol intake can, needs to be limited down. All of that helps with bone strength, but there's nothing like getting up and out. If you have a diagnosis, I suppose it's then a question of minding yourself, taking care, not exposing yourself to the risk of fall or anything like that. Yes? The risk of falls are really significant, as particularly as we age. Um, and that's even when we turn to limiting alcohol. If you have alcohol and you have a diagnosis of osteopenia, if you trip break a bone it's really hard to recover from a broken hip a broken shoulder it's really really hard there are treatments there are medicines available that will help bone resorption but they're not without their problems so after five to six years people sometimes have to stop those treatments and then where are we at so we'll always look at calcium and vitamin d supplementation in anyone with a a diagnosis of osteopenia which is the precursor or osteoporosis 
There's also HRT that may be suitable in some women. There's also monoclonal antibodies, which is an injection to help the body, help the bones reform and that's given every six months and there's another injection that helps bone formation and that's given once monthly so depending on where we're at and what the diagnosis is like and how severe the osteoporosis is there's also another medicine called a bisphosphonate and many of your listeners will be taking a bisphosphonate and it's either a once daily once weekly or once monthly tablet and um, compliance is really really poor with bisphosphonates it's, it's quite a tricky tablet to take because you have to not eat for half an hour before, not eat for two hours after and you must remain standing. So that's a tricky one to try and manage on a regular basis. So we find that compliance to that medicine is really poor and it doesn't work if it's not taken. So that's where a lot of people now are beginning to move towards the injection. But there with diagnosis of osteoporosis, we can want to try and get people to not have that diagnosis. So looking at weight bearing exercise weight loading exercise, so weight training, resistance training. Now that doesn't mean hours and hours spent in a gym. That can be really, really simple. Just a quick walk, 30 minute walk and then adding in lifting tins of beans, lifting bags of potatoes. Yes. That very, very simple. Tasks you can do within your home as well. So the message today is awareness of this, minimising the risk, prevention and dealing with it if you get a pre-diagnosis as well. And your local pharmacist, plenty of information, plenty of advice there to call in and talk to them. Absolutely. We're speaking out now because we see the lengthening of the evenings. Now is the time if there's osteoporosis in the family, if you're a risk addict. And it's not just older people. We are seeing a lot of people, Mm. younger people. If you take steroids, for example, for treatment of arthritis, you're at a huge risk of of developing something to do with the bones. Okay. before we finish up, you wanted to have a word with me today. I can't believe we're around here again, but we are. I see them all in bloom and they're on their way. Hay fever. Hay fever season has started, has it? Hay fever is April to October. There you the go. The tree pollens begin right now. Um, the, the trees are pollinating. You can see the buds coming out. You can see everything about to just spring open. The, the grasses will begin to pollinate kind of late May, early June and right through. And then we'll have the weeds late July, August, September. God, they have it all covered, haven't they? They, they really, really do. do. So what about this early, this tree pollen at this time of the year, start of the season? Well, people tend to, you know, well, we'll always have the new hay fever sufferers. There'll mm. always be that. People that'll never experience hay fever before will we'll develop it this year. But we there's a huge amount of the population, 10% at least of the population that experience hay fever every year. We're coming into exam season as well. We see students really, really crippled come exam season. Prophylactic, which means preventive. I'm asking all parents of those kind kids start right now with their prophylactic treatment at least four weeks before they know that their child or that person usually kicks in with the symptoms. The symptoms as you know are debilitating. Sneezing really uncontrollably, itchy blocked runny nose, streaming eyes, sore throat, headache, even loss of concentration, feeling just generally unwell and that goes on for days and days and days or months over this over the summer season. So start with the prophylactic antihistamines right now. Start. We have a, a kind of general rule, St. Patrick's Day is when we can like to kick it in and it's fine to use those medicines right through until October, right through the hair fever season and also the steroid nasal sprays. The salt of the sinus washes out everything that needs to be done. Start them now before hay fever really begins to take hold. So it's important to do that, to see it off at the fence, so to speak, before it actually you it know, kicks help. in. It does help. It really, really mm. does help. Because then we have to look at the self-help things such as 
beginning then to not dry the clothes outside, dry them inside because the pollen doesn't land. Once the pollen really begins to get, get cold, at least you've started that. Some people who have a very, very severe might need steroid injections. They might need another medicine, a leukotriene antagonist. Those all, those all need to be started now before hay fever really takes hold because it just lessens the suffering. It won't prevent it completely, mm. but it lessens some of those symptoms. And last year, because we had such a beautiful summer, the hay fever sufferers really put in a terrible time and you'd love to see the heat wave back or certainly a great summer back, but I'd love to see that suffering lessen. Hmm. So that's the advice today. It is upon us and take the action now and you will uh, benefit from it uh, down the road. Somebody was saying to me, just so we have half a minute, uh, a vomiting bug or that, that tummy upset that's going around at the minute. Are you seeing it in the, in the, in the pharmacy? We are. We're seeing quite a lot of tummy bugs in the past maybe mm. 10 days. Mm. Um, and also a general feeling of malaise. People maybe not actually vomiting, but this general feeling of I feel really sick, I feel unwell, my temperature might be up a little bit but not hugely. Like that, if there's a tummy bug at all, stay home 24 hours, give it a chance to rest, don't spread it around, make sure rest, fluids, paracetamol if necessary if there's a temperature and just a very, very bland food. The old-fashioned fast or starve isn't always necessary if they're not vomiting but just see how they go but diorolite it's the mainstay of every medicine <laughs> absolutely anyway Cathy leave it there for today thank you very much for joining me on the show Cathy Ma from Haven Pharmacy in Dulig we're going to leave you on late lunch this Monday afternoon in the company of Sharon Shannon and Monday it's the Galway girl on Monday oh yeah that really sounds well see you tomorrow and have one I took a stroll down the old long walk of the day I, I, I met a little girl and we stopped to talk on a fine soft day I, And I asked your friend, what's a fella to do? Cause her hair was black and her eyes were blue And I knew right then, I'd be taking the world Down the salt hill plum with a Galway LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.